Welcome to Indoor Voices, presented by Millicare Floor and Textile Care. Join us as we explore the great indoors and talk to experts about how to improve our indoor environments. Welcome to Indoor Voices. Thank you guys so much for joining us again uh, for this next episode. And we kind of have a really fun episode today for World FM Day. Today, we have Melissa Levy. Um, who will be joining us again on Indoor Voices brought to you by Millicare Floor and Textile Care. And like I always do, just trying to jump in with the first question, Melissa, you work for Insight Global, but could you tell us uh, what Insight Global does? Insight Global is an IT staffing company. We were founded in 2001 where we started our platform on IT staffing. Over the last 20 years, we have really grown as a company. We do executive, direct placement staffing, accounting, engineering staffing, um, financial staffing. And even during COVID, we opened up um, a new segment where we did some healthcare staffing for a little bit of time. So kind of covering all the bases um, in the staffing department. So we have about 3,600 people in our company. And about 840 of those work out of our corporate headquarters here in Atlanta. So what's been the journey for you? Maybe it's not been that long as kind of a younger facility manager, but could you tell us what your journey has been with Insight Global and how you've gotten to where you are? My journey has been an interesting one. Um, I have been with the company for 10 years. It'll be 10 years, September 1st, which is amazing. Just shows you how much I love working there. Um, My background actually was not in facilities. I actually went to school for fashion merchandising, um, broadcasting and communications was my minor. Um, But after being in those fields for a little while outside of college, I was introduced to Insight Global um, by a local recruiter who brought me on. I actually ended up in our accounts receivable and invoicing departments where I spent a lot of my time for the first couple of years, eventually moving into our properties team about five years ago. Um, Again, still not in facilities, actually started managing our entire parking division, which I guess is kind of a subset of facilities, but we didn't really have a parking process. So my boss brought me in and was like, you're going to do parking. And I was like, okay, I guess that's exciting. (laughs) Um, So I essentially came on, I implemented an entire process for at the time, I think we had 50 to 55 offices. Well, then I came to her and I said, you know, I really want to do something else. I feel like there's so much more opportunity here. What can I do? And one of the things that I really was passionate about was the facility side. We were always getting these just random one-off emails all the time from all of our sales offices asking for different types of requests. Maybe they had a broken piece of furniture or Um, They needed a locksmith or an appliance wasn't working or they need a new carpet, whatever it might be. The list was endless. Right. So I came to her and I said, instead of having these people email us all the time and have no clue who to go to for these requests, let's create a seamless process. Let's have an actual facilities division within our properties team that creates an avenue for these people to put requests in. And then there's people designated to take care of those requests for them. Right. Um, and she was like, sure, you got it. And then it was just me. (laughs) And I was like, okay, um, again, this is really exciting. Right. Um, and so that's when we ended up, uh, creating the facilities division myself only for a little while with the help of some of my other teammates. And now we are, um, just hiring our eighth person on the facilities team. 
And we've created all these amazing processes, which we can dive into a little bit later that got us to actually having a facilities team here at Insight Global. And now this is exactly how we operate and, and manage the division. And it's been awesome. I feel like it's exactly what the company needed um, to keep these offices and maintain these offices and, and help them look beautiful. No, that's wonderful. And that's very full. Like, and it's it's so different. I think a lot of people they get a degree, but they end up in a completely different field. Um, and now that you're in facility management, do you do you feel young as a facility manager? Yes. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Um, it wasn't actually until I went to my first IFMA event, which was, gosh, I think it was about two years ago prior to, I think it was, yeah, two years prior to COVID. And I remember sitting there at one of these events, which was so much fun. They had a band and food and everyone was mingling and networking and talking. And I started looking around and I was like, I'm very young in, in this setting. I, I saw maybe one or two other individuals that might have sort of been around my age. And I'm, I'm 34, keep in mind. So I'm young, but I'm not super young. Um, and <laughs> most people were older than me. And that's when I think I started really understanding that people go to school to be facility managers. This is a, a huge lasting background for a lot of individuals. Some of these people have been in these roles for 20 or 30 years, which is so incredibly impressive and something that I strive to do, you know, in my career here with Insight Global and facilities in general. But um, yeah, I absolutely think, you know, when I look at so many people in these types of divisions, I am much younger than most. So I think that brings out an interesting point. So you actually started your career in facility management before you knew of the International Facility Management Association. So what resources did you use um, to help you as you were building out the department at Insight Global? So that's really where my networking kind of came to play. So I really didn't know where to start, right? I, I came into this division. I was building it up from the ground up. I needed to know how other facilities managers manage their facilities departments and what works for them, what were some of their pain points, um, what got them to the point they're at now, right? So I was like, you know, I'm just going to start reaching out to everybody I know. And they just kind of started pointing me in the right directions. And that's when I started networking with facility managers from Chick-fil-A and State Farm and Carter's and George's own and ironically, these people actually responded to me. I was like, this is, this is essentially me cold calling saying like, please talk to me, please tell me what to do. And they all got back to me and they were all so open with what worked for them. And they even all invited me to come tour their facilities. So I took myself and my boss and a couple other people with me from our team. And we just went and toured their facilities for like an hour or two and asked them all these questions. And I think seeing it and being able to ask questions in real time is really what helped me start to grasp how, how this division should be built and how it should work. After doing so and feeling more confident, I think in conjunction with IFMA, I've just been able to, to have the resources and to help give, give me the knowledge to build this team. So Alyssa, now that you're a part of the International Facility Management Association, what resources that do they have that you're now excited to use? The one thing that myself and the other member, Leah Bennett, of my team have been the most excited to utilize is the certification piece. 
again, this kind of leads me back to what I was saying before. I, I had no clue that there were ways that people majored in this, that people went to school for this. It was so eye-opening for me. And so I was like, we, we're, we're doing okay. We're not doing great. We need better. We need more knowledge. We need more guidance on how facilities should actually work from the business side, not just, not just solving if someone has a broken door, right? Like we need to really understand strategically how this, this division should operate. And that's when Lee and I decided to go back and do our FMP. So we're actually in the process of doing that now. Hopefully we'll have that completed in the next month or so. And then we eventually would really love to move into our CFM. So being able to understand what those certifications mean while they're important um, and, and reading it, like especially on the FMS site, kind of gives us some background of what we'd be learning in these certifications really was you know, great for us and something we didn't know would even exist if it hadn't been for IFMA. Another thing I think is just always the networking tool. I'm sure most facilities managers would agree with me on this. Um, it's, it's so nice to sit down and just to talk to other individuals in the same job category as you. And again, to see what works for them and to see what their journey has been throughout this. And and also, I think when COVID happened, it was kind of cool to see how everybody I knew in a different type of facilities role was, was managing COVID, right? Every company was managing it in a different way, ours included. And I feel like by talking to some of those people and saying like, okay, what are you doing right now? What's working? What do I need help focusing on here? And some people were really great at giving me feedback there too. So I just think, again, the networking tool has also been key for us. All right. So one of your strengths that I think you've brought out so far, and one of the things you like and has been a key component to your success is system implementation. What was the pain that moved you towards systems and what systems guide you like to, uh, what systems guide you in your day-to-day facility management? Gosh, Brian, inefficiency. I think inefficiency is like the biggest driver for me. When I first came on the team and was managing parking, everything was through a spreadsheet. It's like I had like 500 spreadsheets. And don't get me wrong, for everyone who loves spreadsheets, that's great. I just, I don't need so many of them, right? I need places that I can have this data live that's easy and accessible for not only my team, but for the other members of our company, the other employees. Um, I just think that we were kind of archaic in our ways for so long. And what I mean by that, and I'll get into some of the process improvements here in a minute, is one of the things we used to literally do was print out a floor plan. We'd print it out with a clipboard and we would walk around and we would physically highlight on that who was there. That was awful. Like that was something I never, ever want to do again. Um, so much, so many of our hours back in our day to dedicate to other important projects that we we're working on if we're more efficient with what we're doing. So really that led me into implementing our first asset management system and living floor plan system, which is done through iOffice. Um, in talking to a couple of facilities managers, I know other people also use the system. It creates an avenue for us to not only tag our assets and have a cost savings knowing with if um, items are under warranty, where items are located, if they've been relocated, um, and that was super helpful for us. And again, the living floor plan, we can literally pick people up 
inside the system and move them around and space plan, which was something that we never had the ability to do before. So it's such a time saver for us. The second piece that we implemented was through our internal system, ServiceNow. Um, our IT department actually is a ticketing system, as I'm sure most IT departments do. Well, I was thinking about it one day and I was like, why don't we have a ticketing system? We literally have all, we have so many requests that come in day after day after day through emails, which is okay, but no one wants to get two, 300 emails a day. If we can keep these in a ticketing system, that one makes it easy for all 3,600 employees. They go to one site, they submit a ticket. And in real time, we can update that ticket with information as to where we are in the process of getting it fixed. So there isn't that constant five or six emails going back and forth every day of where you are. Also, you can put vendor management in there, property management in there, and a budget tracker. So when I come to tracking facilities budgets at the end of the year, I can export it all into an Excel. And it's super easy for me to, to make my budgets for the following year. So there's just been a lot of positivity coming from some of the process improvements that we've been doing. And while I know there wasn't a lot of positive through COVID in 2020, for us as a facilities team, we really use that time to really dedicate to process improvement while people weren't in the office. And I do think by having that time, it, it, it was, you know, we were better able to come up with some of these ideas that we wouldn't have really had the time to dedicate to before. Okay, so I'm going to bring in some more pain for you. Um, you had said um, that you like the systems implementation. You talked about using the marker. Um, <laughs> and I know one of your projects, what you termed a Disco Rico. Could you tell the viewers what a Disco Rico is and tell us a little bit about that project that you did? Sounds like a party, right? Like, I wish I could say that it was a party. I wish like a disco ball came out of the ceiling and we all got to, you know, dance around. Um, unfortunately, Disco Rico is Disconnect Reconnect, um, which I learned during our huge relocation from our old um, headquarters, which was actually just, you know, half a mile down the street at Ashford Green into our new 1224 beautiful building that we can chat about in a little bit. Um, it was a two-year process of facilities and our construction team and our IT team working together. And that was probably the biggest project I've ever been involved in to date. Um, and of course, COVID hit right in the middle of us supposed to move. Um, but Disconnect Reconnect was having these teams come in. They literally would unhook all of the IT equipment, but every piece of IT equipment had to be tagged with an individual's name and a specific relocation number, just like all of their personal belongings and all of the items that are corresponding to their desk. And we actually had Relo Strategy, which was a phenomenal relocation team assisting with this effort without them, which this would have never been possible. But in conjunction with their team and with Disco Rico and IT, we were able to move everyone over and get everyone's assets tagged the way they should be back to their appropriate desk, back with their proper equipment. And so it gets all set up. It's all beautiful. And then uh, we were supposed to move in in March of 2020, actually ended up moving in July of 2020. Um, but when I say moved in, I say that very lightly because we placed stuff on people's desk and then everyone was back out. Um, it wasn't until about September, October, that we really started seeing people sort of trickle into the office. That's a lot and a, <laughs> a massive pandemic thrown in in the middle of it. Um, all right, so this next question could be answered in different ways. 
But in that you've been able to grow with the company because um, you've been there for 10 years, you're in a really good position to answer. You've championed facility management for Insight Global. Um, how has that undergirded the company's like overall goals? So I think facilities, again, it's it's kind of one of those divisions that assists all of the employees in every way we possibly can. It's kind of corny, I know, but my team actually has a motto. And we say we provide support for a productive and efficient workplace. Support, right? Support is the key word there. We are the helpers. We are the ones that if the office needs to look a certain way, if it needs to function a certain way, if it needs to have a certain layout, if it needs to have a certain amount of casual meeting spaces versus online spaces for people to have Skype calls, um, if it needs to have a library, all of these different things, you know, our team helps facilitate those along with our construction team who helps build out the offices. So again, I think it's what we bring to the company is that support. We want them to function at their 100% best, and we help to be the underlying platform to help them to do so. So in my opinion, and I think you do this well, so another good question for you, the comfort of the building occupant is becoming more preeminent um, mm -hmm. in the workspace. So what's the demographic of your occupant, and how do you cater their, to their tastes as a facility manager? Insight Global is a fairly young company. You will find that... We usually have most of our employees, the age bracket is somewhere between 22 to mid to, mid to early 30s. It used to be that we would hire straight out of college. So that's how you see that there's been so many people grow with the company that have hit that 10-year mark so early in their careers because a lot of people came straight out of college. Um, but what I will say, it kind of leads back to our early question, right, Brian? You asked me what it felt like to be a young facilities manager in a young company, makes sense, right? It helps. I kind of think being young and understanding what the people need in these offices, what they want, what makes them function, what makes them feel at home, it's probably a lot of the things that I feel the same about. So I feel like I'm able, not just me, but my entire team is able to help facilitate those requests because we better understand what they're looking for. Um, and I do think that attributes to so much of our success as a team and why we continue to grow because people see what a great job both our construction team and our facilities teams do and building and making these spaces that they're like, we want to keep going. We want all these fun, cool, collaborative, funky, edgy spaces that you guys are giving us because we've been at home for a year and we got to get out. Like we want to get back in and we're like, okay, let us make you want to come back. Let us make you feel at home. And I think by having that youthful look and youthful eye, we're, we're better able to help them feel more at home. No, that's good. So you understand your audience really, really well at Insight Global from a company standpoint, and then also from a facility standpoint. So again, I'm going to be a little bit more myopic because the occupant's taste can be different. So from what I understand, the office layout is also up for grabs. So uh, tell us a little bit about casual seating versus conference rooms. Back before we had our new CEO, Bert Bean, we were a little more of a structured sales company. And not that that's a bad thing. It was great. It worked for us. We were very successful. But when I use the word structured, I mean, in the way that we designed our offices, it was you know, a conference room with six to eight to 10 chairs. Maybe one of them had Skype capability because we always had to be in the office. 
We didn't really have like a remote capability work from home. We didn't really embrace the ergonomics of sit-to-stand desk at that time. Everything was very stagnant. Um, and casual meeting spaces weren't really a thing. We didn't really drive them. Kirk came on board. He's a little more youthful again and young. And he was kind of the driving factor that was like, we need to up these spaces. They need to be a little cooler. What can we do here? And we were like, okay, well, everyone's young. They love to sit down and talk with one another, not just in a plain old white conference room. Let's bring in some restoration hardware couches. Let's bring in some coffee tables. Let's bring in some high back chairs that people can take phone calls from. Let's make phone rooms. Let's make wellness rooms. Let's do really edgy mother's rooms. Let's do all these things that make people want to be there. And to hone back in on the casual meeting spaces, we have found through feedback from a lot of our sales offices, people love them. They love that kind of feeling of it. Like they can be professional and bring their clients in, but it also is casual and fun and laid back. It's just a different vibe for them. Um, Allison Bundy, who is spectacular at helping design some of these spaces, she does wall murals that represent each city in a lot of our casual conference spaces. So if you're in New York, you might have the New York skyline on your wall. Um, if you are in Chicago, you might have downtown or um, some of the skyscrapers and some of your artwork. It's really to just make that place feel professional, but also funky and cool. And it kind of gives them that little bit of the edge they're looking for. I think our audience gets a good feel about how passionate you are and how ideal you are about uh, kind of the specific projects you've taken out, you've taken on, um, and you're proud of them at uh, Insight Global. So I want to talk about a little bit, I want to talk about your mother's rooms project. Could you tell the folks about that? I think for World FM Day, for you as a woman and you as a mom, I think our, our, I think our listeners would love to hear it. So Back, I guess I should say about five years ago, that's when I'll start, when I really started building up this facilities team, there really wasn't a rule behind having mother's rooms in all offices. It just wasn't a thing at the time. We had maybe a fourth of our sales offices had mother's rooms, like actual legit beautiful spaces for mothers to go when they needed privacy. That just wasn't cutting it. I mean, you know, as a mother, I have a one-year-old daughter, you know, who went through those, those pain points of like needing a place to go. You know, we needed to build something for these people. We needed it to make it special. One of the main reasons moms don't come back to work is because they miss their children. They want to be at home. They don't feel like they, they feel like they need, they need something else, right? But if we're building these spaces, them to feel comfortable to come back and actually in every mother's room we place photo boards so they can hang pictures of their kids so they can see them it creates a little bit of a more nurturing at home for them to want to come back to so essentially what my team did is we got a list in conjunction with HR and we worked together through that list to make sure that every single office had some type of space, a very inviting, beautiful space for a mother to come back to. Um, and it might've been almost like a, a series of storage closets that we had to expand out and paint and put beautiful furniture in there and a mini fridge and magazines, or we might've had an existing conference room that we could film up and change. But with that being said, we were able to get through all 60 offices in the course of a year and a half and make sure that every mother did in fact have a place to go. 
And now with our rebranding effort, our amazing construction team is going back to some of those we did that might've been smaller, kind of something we just put together for them. They're actually building out full mother's rooms for them now that we will furnish. So that in conjunction with our, our Women's Leadership Council have just been really big driving factors at creating these spaces for moms, again, that make them feel comfortable and more at home to come back to. No, that's great. I personally, I have five kids, I'm saying. So mother's rooms are high on the list, uh, on the priority list for, for Brian Morgan and his uh, his family. So <laughs> Five kids? That's great, yes. Brian. <laughs> yeah. One's a lot for me right now, but five is good. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, so I'm going to take our conversation in a little bit different direction. Um, Millicare, Floor and Textile, we do our best to try and keep track of what's going on in like the healthy uh, building movement and the healthy uh, cleaning space. So we follow what the USGBC does and it would lead uh, accreditation and International Well Building Institute. We follow all that stuff. What's, uh, what's Insight Global doing? Um, and what kind of, I guess you could say, healthy building initiatives are you involved in at, uh, at Insight Global? Well, really exciting news, Brian. You'll appreciate this. We actually are getting ready to sign a contract with Melicare right now um, to help. I know, it's exciting. We went through a long process of, you know, interviewing different vendors and Melicare actually ended up being our winner. So that actually is where I'll start. We are super excited to announce that Millicare will be our facilities kind of cleaning, disinfecting inventory piece company going through the next year. Um, they will be doing inventory for us in all of our sales offices, as well as all of our disinfectings and all of our floor and office cleanings. So we are super, super excited to start that initiative. So I guess that's piece one. Leah and I do not get to travel to all of our 61 offices as much as we would like. So having such a amazing company to set eyes on all of our spaces and to let us know what they're looking like, do they need upkeep anywhere? And also do, um, what are some of the things they can do to help us enhance the look of our space and keep it clean for our employees? We're super excited about that. Um, I'm also a member of our sustainability council. So sustainability is a big thing for our company. It was something that, again, just like mother's rooms until the last couple of years, I don't think we really, you know, put as much time and effort into sustainability as we should have. And now we're starting to really understand why it's important. So being a member of that committee um, and, and rolling out different initiatives to the company, but also really honing in on community service and philanthropy and pieces like that around the communities local for all of our offices have been a huge piece. And then I have to just give a huge shout out to our HR department. Their wellness and fitness piece, they do this, gosh, probably every couple of weeks, they have something for, you know, mental health or getting people um, up and moving around and doing group fitness classes at our new fitness facility. Um, they even do online Skype and virtual um, uh, fitness classes so that everyone in the entire company can attend. So we're really big on employee wellness. We're all, you know, in this together and we're keeping each other, you know, healthy and accountable. No, that mental piece came through as a massive priority when that pandemic hit and everybody was kind of isolated and by themselves. So knowing that you endeavor to keep the space looking fresh, do you find at Insight Global that employee retention is high? It's funny you ask that question, because if you had asked me that question, 
five or six years ago, I think I would have had a little bit of a different answer. We struggled with turnover quite a bit. When I first started with the company, attrition was up to almost 50% at one point, um, which is crazy because it is such an amazing company. But I think there were a couple different behind the scenes driving factors there. But one of them was that, again, I think we needed to create an environment that our employees really, really wanted to be at, right? Um, so that in conjunction with our amazing CEO, um, our new shared values, we, which we can touch point on in a little bit later. Um, and then our rebrand effort that we're actually in the process of rolling out now, turnover has dropped to 10%. People want to be there. It is a massive drop. I mean, you see people staying on and wanting to be on and wanting to be with the um, with their other employees, fellow um, coworkers, and wanting to come into the office. Even during a pandemic, people are like, when can we get back? Um, so I want to believe that the spaces, at least I hope, have a big you know, impact on that, but I'm sure there's so many other driving factors. But yeah, our company has seen such a decrease in turnover and increase in people wanting to be there all the time. It's it's awesome. So with that younger and specific demographic that you have at Insight Global, um, it's probably a demographic that transitions to work from home pretty easily. So so what did 2020, what did the pandemic look like for you? You told us a little bit, but I, I kind of want to pilot in a little bit more. Yeah. So as a company, I'll be honest, we did not telework at all. We kind of had that old school mentality, which again, worked for us. We were very successful, but we were in the office eight to five, Monday through Friday, every day. Teleworking wasn't really an option. And for the few individuals that were, it was on a case-by-case basis. So we were all used to being there at all times. So when the announcement was made last March that you're all going home, you don't think people really knew what to do. We were like, wait, wait, what? We're required to work from home? How do we do this? Um, and that's kind of when our IT department rolled out a huge initiative. You know, most of us had laptops, but some of us didn't. There had to be a full laptop rollout. There had to be a full equipment rollout for people to take stuff home, to work from home, you know, effectively, because we'd never done that before. People were taking task chairs home. We were like, I don't work from home. This is weird to me. Um, and then it worked. You know, like, I think it was, again, a silver lining that came out of such a hard time last year. We we realized how successful as a company we could be working from home. Sales started to go up. Engagement started to go up. We were still maintaining clients. We were finding new areas of business. And before we knew it, everyone was like, okay, I, I guess we can do this. Um, and my team included, you know, and again, that kind of leads me back to our our talk earlier of process improvement, right? People aren't sitting in offices. You might think, what can a facilities team do? What, I mean, what are they managing at this point? Like, are we just sitting back doing nothing? I sat down with my team and said, let's utilize this time. What do, you know, to process improve? Something we never have time to do because we're running a hundred miles a minute. What can we sit here and think about? What are the pain points of our everyday work that we can alleviate by process improvement. And we had literally five or six whiteboarding sessions and group chats. And we just sat there and we we're like, well, these are the items that we dislike, that we know we can find a better way to fix. Um, and we just started hacking away at it and coming up with process improvement. And every person on my team owned a different piece of it. And we kind of hit the ground running and then would have touch points every week on where we were in the process. And now here we are. 
And I know I touched point on a few of them earlier, but we really do have so many more new improvements than just the two that I mentioned before. And almost every member of my team, I have to give a huge shout out to that they all in conjunction worked on those together and together was how we were able to roll them out effectively. Okay. So I'm going to kind of bring this full circle for FMs because you had started uh, by saying that you had gone on some tours as you were trying to figure out some resources early in your career. And recently you were able to host a tour, correct? Could you tell us about that? Yeah, that was probably one of the coolest things I've done. So I reached out to a couple people through EFMA and said, you know, we have this beautiful space, like 70% of our employees haven't even seen it. I would really love to showcase all the team's hard work. Again, our construction team, our designers, the facilities team, CBRE who manages our building, Tremel Crow who built our building. We haven't really gotten to showcase this beautiful work of art and I want people to see it. We're so proud of this space. And so I reached out to a couple members of IFMA and I was like, I'm not sure how frequently you guys do these, but if something is available, we'd love to take part if, if you would love to come see it. And they jumped on it right away. And before we knew it, it was a sold out tour. We had around 28 individuals come. We actually did this a few Fridays ago and we had breakfast. We were able to see so many familiar faces and some new ones that we had not seen before, especially since COVID. Everyone was able to mingle and hang out. And then we were able to give everyone a beautiful tour throughout the, all the floors of our space, ending with our amazing rooftop bar. So proud of. I've not really been used very much yet, but we will get there. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a lot to celebrate when people come back. But it was just, it was so fulfilling to be able to share that with people and to show them something that is so special and near and dear to all of us. So it was, it was great. So your career has been full and your answers today have been wonderful. So thank you so much for taking us through um, your career at Insight Global. And thanks for exploring the great indoors with us today, Melissa. Oh, thank you, Brian. It was such a pleasure. Have me back anytime. I love talking to you. Definitely. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and subscribe. This podcast is an audio-only version of the Indoor Voices interview series presented by Millicare Floor and Textile Care. You can watch the video of this interview and find other episodes at millicare.com slash indoor voices.